encouraged us to read the book of Psalms, and so I did. Did you? <laughs> and I got to the 119th Psalm, and I thought to myself, self, and I always speak to myself in the third person. <clears throat> I said, why don't I preach the longest psalm in the Bible? Why not? 176 verses. 176. Open your Bibles to Psalm 119. We better get started. <laughs> no. Easy, Clyde. It's going to be okay. <clears throat> well, throughout the 119th Psalm, there's a theme uh, that is uh, apparent. Uh, one of the themes is the importance of God's Word, His statutes, His uh, all the things that he's said and written. Another theme that I found interesting is this theme of revival. <clears throat> when you think about revival, I want us to look at what the 119th Psalm has to say about revival. There is something very interesting about this particular word. It means to uh, keep or keep alive or quicken or recover, or repair, or restore, or to be whole, maybe this will give you a little bit of an idea of what he's talking about. Clear. You ever see him do that on those TV shows that they, they take you in the hospital and they, they always say the word clear? And I suppose if you're holding your loved one's hand, I suppose <laughs> it'd be quite shocking. <laughs> And we have one of these, if you'd like to try this, we have one of these in the library. So just pass out, and we'll uh, take care of that for you. We'll give you a jolt. But this idea of revival, it's found in 119th Psalm uh, again and again. Let's look at verse 25, the promise of revival. 119, verse 25. Notice what he says. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to thy word. Make me live again. He's down in the depths of despair, and he says, I'm, I'm stuck in the dust. Please revive me. And this idea that God is going to give us a jolt, and what is this? According to thy word. With all the promises that God has given us, with all the things that he's directed us to do and how to live, it's going to be a revival. It can be a revival. It's like this idea of defib. It's like, oh, I hope it never occurs. I hope you never have to go through that. But what a great uh, time to live when this can happen. But God says, or the psalmist says, I want you to revive me. John 10.10, we went on this mission trip to uh, Honduras, and part of their theme, part of their working uh, theme is the half of verse John 10.10, and it says, uh, I want to give you life and give it abundantly. I want to give you life. I don't want to take that from you. I don't want to steal that from you. I want to destroy you. I want to give you life. And the way that this happens is through the very word of God. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He says, 
I dwell in the high and holy place to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You see, God has always been there to give us life. And as an individual, we understand the value of life. But I want us to think collectively just for a moment. Think about us as a nation. Think about us as a nation. And this promise comes from a very obscure passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe it's become uh, your call uh, to arms. Notice what it says. If my people who are called by my name. Notice the first word. It's conditional. If you'll humble yourself, if you'll pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear you from heaven and I'll forgive your sin and heal your land. It's interesting to think about the promise of revival. And from Psalm 119, verse 25, and from other passages, the promise of revival is real. It's conditional. It's based on how we respond to the call. It's based on how we listen to and obey the call. But it's interesting that God has always provided this path to life. Jesus would say, I want to give you life and give it abundantly. Not just a little bit of life. I want to give you abundant life. And here's the passage back. Here's how it occurs. The promise of revival is real, but also the path of revival. Look down at verse 37 of Psalm 119. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in thy ways. We have a song that we sing with our Vacation Bible School kids, and maybe they still sing it in some of the uh, elementary uh, classes back there uh, in class, but it's, be careful little eyes what you see. It's important to teach that as, as to young people, but it's also important to teach it to old people. No offense. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> if not, I'll get you a mirror. <laughs> But it's interesting to think about the eye part and what we allow in. The, the, the eye is the light of the body and what we allow into our, into our life comes through the eyes. And the psalmist says, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Oh, this path of revival. This spiritual helplessness and this wayward path that we find ourselves on. The psalmist says, Make me with living energy to pursue your ways. Make me look for and find the true path to revival. Jesus would say that there's a highway that leads to destruction. And there's a path that leads to heaven. And it's a narrow path. And it's often uh, uh, fraught with all sorts of problems and obstacles. I remember one time Stephen uh, Gist and I were, were hiking up uh, 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 Sneffels down here, this, the 14er back here. And we were going up 
uh, from the saddle. We were going up the little scree path, and it was a really small little trail, and there were people coming down, and we thought, oh, they've already made it. And they came down, and they said, we can't find the way to the top. And I said, well, you're not going to find it going downhill. Seriously. <laughs> but it was a small little path, and they didn't want to go through the little lemon squeeze. They didn't want to go through that little hole that you have to go through. And there's this cliff, and this drop-off, and it was named after a guy that slipped off of there. <laughs> Mr. Snuffles, apparently. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they didn't want to do that. You see, it's a narrow path. There wasn't a whole bunch of people. There's not a big signpost. There's not a big thing that says, this is the way. It's a, it's a narrow little path. And it's like that spiritually. When we want to understand the idea of revival, we need to be looking for the path. And God promises, he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. And there are people like you who are truth seekers. You're looking for truth. And Jesus describes it as this little narrow path, and there's not going to be a whole bunch of other people on that path. If you look around on the path that you happen to be on right now, and you look around and you notice like there's a lot of people, and it's a whole bunch of people, it's a mass of people, you might ask the question, am I on the right path? You might ask that question. God promises to revive us when we look for the path. And he says, this spiritual helplessness and this wayward path that you find yourself on, no, give that up and look for the true path. This need for revival is because we either have become discouraged along the way or we've cooled off, we've become lukewarm. Remember, Jesus would say, I wish that you were hot or cold. You know, one of the churches there in, in uh, uh, Revelation, he says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I, I don't want anything to do with you. Make up, make up your mind. Make, make a decision. Either you're going to be with me and be hot, or you're going to be cold. But don't be this lukewarm, wishy-washy waffle. Don't, don't wander helplessly. We need this revival. And often, this path to revival, need, we need to be reminded of it. But not only is there this path to revival or path of revival, there's a pattern of revival. Notice verse 40 of that same psalm, Psalm 119, verse 40. Behold, I long for thy precepts. Revive me through thy righteousness. You know, this idea of if only we had a guidebook. You know, parents often complain when they, start, they begin to have children. They say, oh, if we just had a, a user manual <laughs> with this little, this little thing that makes a lot of racket and gets us out of bed in the middle of the night. It's like, oh, if only we had a guidebook. Oh, we do. We have a guidebook. Here's a big surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise to you. We have the owner's manual. And it works for infants, it works for young people, it works for old people, it works for people. If only we had a guidebook, we do. And this pattern that's found in the Scripture, it's a pattern of righteousness. It's described as a way of righteousness. The psalmist says, according to the word of righteousness. This guidebook is for revival. Where 
in the world does faith come from? <clears throat> comes from hearing the Word of God. The reason that you're here, one of the reasons you're here this morning is you need to hear the Word of God. And we look at this psalm and it's, it's one of these that's just full of information. And I've just zeroed in on one little word. Revival. The guidebook for revival is the Word of God. Much later in this Psalm 119, verse 105, you sing this song. You've memorized this verse. Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's, it's going to be the one thing that guides me through this darkness. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light to my path. Oh, without this illumination... We are lost in darkness, literally flatlining. Someone needs to come along and clear, <laughs> give us a jolt, put us back in a regular rhythm. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. <laughs> so this morning what I'd like to do is give you a test. Let's just see if you need to be revived. Spiritually, thankfully. I don't see anybody passed out yet. But it's early. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> Robert, hang on. You can do it. And it's like, let's just go, let's just take this little test. <clears throat> I'll give you a few seconds. These are tiny little words, and I know some of you will have difficulty. Uh, I can't see them. <laughs> uh, but I want, you to, I want you to give yourself a point for each yes answer. And what we're looking for is, here's the big surprise, nine yes answers. I'll read them for you. <clears throat> Number one, <clears throat> do you look forward to hearing God's Word read and explained? Do you look forward to that? It's either yes or no. You're here, so that's, that's a bonus. You're well on your way. Number two, are you willing to make sacrifices to hear God's Word? Number three, do you spend time reading God's Word in private? Do you spend time reading God's Word in small groups? Number four, during the last year, have you felt convicted while reading the Bible? And number five, along those same lines, during the last year, have you wept while studying God's Word? Number six, do you, on a regular basis, express the emotion of joy and worship because of God's Word? And number seven, have you noticed positive changes in your life because of God's Word? Number eight, have you recently started to obey one of God's commands because of your study of God's Word? And lastly, have you recently responded quickly to a new truth from God's Word? 
Now, obviously, this is unscientific test, but <clears throat> count up the number of yeses that you had. If you scored between 8 and 9, praise the Lord, way to go. As I like to say, you're on fire. <laughs> we need more people like that, scoring 8 and 9 of those 9 questions. You're on fire for the Lord. Spiritually, you're lit and you're going places. How about six or seven? Yes. Well, you're, you're a glowing ember. We sit around the fire. In fact, one of the beauties of, of camping is sitting around the fire, listening to Mike Fallis play his guitar <laughs> or bone camp. It's, it's a wonderful experience. And you look at those glowing embers down there and someone will get up and stir the fire and maybe put another log on. But if you've answered yes to six or seven, you're like that glowing ember. And you, once you add a little more fuel, boy, look out. If you scored four or five, you're kind of smoldering. You're still warm. It's a little iffy. And of course, if you're down in the uh, three or less, fire's out. Someone needs to come along and revive you. And you think about your situation. A preacher was visiting a wayward member. And he walked into the, uh, uh, the house and it was a cool winter, uh, cold winter night. And there was a fire in the fireplace. And the preacher didn't say a word, just was invited in, came in and took the poker, the little iron poker, and moved the log that was burning, moved it off to the edge, moved it over to the side. And they watched as that fire slowly went out. And the log was no longer burning, no longer providing the warmth or the light. Preacher prayed a prayer and got up and left. The man that was the wayward Christian looked down at that log and realized this was one of those lessons that didn't need words. You could be so lucky. <laughs> but when that log is removed from the fire and it's put to the side, it eventually go out. Hmm. Revival. It comes through a specific pattern, and it comes from God's Word. Well, we go back to Psalm 119, and we flip over a few pages to verse 88. Remember, I told you there's 176 verses. We're about halfway through, so... Just kidding. Psalm 119, verse 88. Revive me according to thy loving kindness so that <clears throat> I may keep the testimony of thy mouth. 
this idea of loving kindness flows through the Scripture. And as we learned this morning, it occurs over a hundred times in the book of Psalms, this idea of God's loving kindness, loving kindness toward even those of us who are enemies of God. We are enemies, and Christ died for us. Yeah, that's God's loving kindness. And the psalmist says, this is revival. Revive me according to your loving kindness. It's because of the Lord's tender mercies that we are not consumed. It's the love of God that sheds abroad in the, uh, the light of the heart and it quickens the grace of, of the Spirit. And we, it brings revival. And this idea that God provides this, it's because of His loving kindness. We sang a song this morning from the book of Lamentations. Remember that song? We sang a song from Lamentations, chapter 3. What is Lamentations? Well, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, in the original Hebrew Bible, Jeremiah and Lamentations weren't divided. They were all one book. And if you remember from your history, from our history, the people of Jerusalem were being destroyed. Jeremiah, the preacher, had warned them again and again. And the commanding officer from Babylon came in and he said to Jeremiah, I've heard about you. What? The commanding officer said, I know about you, Jeremiah, and I'm going to give you an option. I'm not going to give anyone else an option in the whole place, in the whole town of Jerusalem. Jeremiah was given an option. You want to go into captivity? You want to stay here. Jeremiah says, I'm staying here. And then he writes the book of Lamentations. Why? Because his people are destroyed. Can you imagine waking up in Montrose tomorrow and having an invading army come in and begin wiping out the town of Montrose? I can't imagine it. I've never lived through that. We, we've been so blessed in this country. We have no idea what it's like to have war come to our, our shores. 9-11 is as close as we've ever gotten. The Japanese didn't want to invade. They knew that we were armed. <laughs> yep. And you wonder how it is that Jeremiah can write in his book of Lamentations, Thy tender mercies are renewed every day. What? Man, this is the intersection of mercy <laughs> and grace. This is from God Himself. He says, I'm going to do this for you in spite of you. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve death. Our sin has separated us from God, and we deserve death. But because of God's mercy, because of His loving kindness, He says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. In fact, I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. That's grace. That's the beauty of, our, of this system. God says, I want to revive you. It's this work of grace. And wherever and whenever it occurs, it's a gift from God. You know, I've, I've only found the word grace in the Old Testament one time, and I I may be wrong, and you can do your own study on this, but in Ezra chapter 9, verse 8, 
the word grace appears in the Old Testament. It's, it's a New Testament concept, I believe, but there's a theme of that flowing through the Scripture. But in Ezra chapter 9, <clears throat> Ezra, of course, is the priest. Nehemiah goes back to rebuild uh, the wall. Ezra goes back to rebuild the temple. And this is the very end of the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Old Testament. And in Ezra, Ezra chapter 9 and all the way down through chapter 10, we start to see this pattern. And he says in verse 8 of Ezra chapter 9, Now for a little while grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us measure of revival in our bondage. And this idea of revival is found in Ezra and throughout the scripture, but this idea of grace, he says, this is how it's going to occur when you read the rest of that text and read the rest of Ezra, go back and read that and say, I got to repent. I got to change the, the mindset that I've developed over the years. I've got to look at myself and, and make necessary changes based on the word of God because it's the light of my feet, the lamp that guides me. And I got to repent. And this will bring about this change of a relationship that I have with God. Reconciliation. That's one of those big religious words, but it just means we've been separated ourselves from God and He says, I want you back. It begins with our change of heart. And then God says, I'll reconcile you. I'll bring you back into a right relationship. I'll restore you. I'll put back what was taken. And that's exactly what's happening physically with Ezra. The temple has been destroyed. Ezra returns and he's going to rebuild the temple. And he says, this is revival. And there's, there's something about this that comes directly from God, this provision of revival. And Ezra chapter 9, verse 8 says, it's grace that's shown from the Lord our God. It's a free gift. Take the gift. <laughs> Take the gift. But there's, there's certain parameters, there's certain uh, boundaries of revival. <coughs> Look over at Psalm 119, verse 49, or 149, sorry. We're getting there. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 149. There's a reason there's 176 verses. I may get to that. <clears throat> but notice what it says in 149. Hear my voice. According to thy loving kindness, revive me, O Lord, according to thy ordinances. Huh. According to your ordinances? The law as a rule of judgment. This is revealed truth. This information has come directly from God. And the psalmist says, your word has revived me. Notice what he has to say about the parameters of revival. Revive, revive my heart, heart according to the principles of justice founded on your nature, revealed in your law, specifically set forth to separate the righteous from the wicked. Your word has revived me. <clears throat> it is impressive that God has done all of this for us. If we have, or if we are to have a revival, we must be willing to submit 
to God's righteous standard and to be willing to be governed by them accordingly. When we uh, put on our Lord in baptism, you know what we said? We said, Jesus is Lord. What are you saying? What are you, what's the declaration? Well, He's the one that makes the rules. I submit to the rules. Where do I find the rules? Is it just however you feel? How are you feeling today? How are you doing? <laughs> no, it's written down. <laughs> he's given us this information and He said, here's what I want from you. In fact, here's what I demand from you. And He says, this is my righteous standard. And revival is always guaranteed when people submit to the Lordship of God. <clears throat> God had this plan before the foundation of the world and His Son said, I'll work that plan. I'll provide the perfect sacrifice. The Holy Spirit documented the plan and all of this information has been given to us and then someone in their brilliance translated it into English. I don't even have to learn a new language. I can read it in my own language. <laughs> Thank you. And this word can revive me. You see, a revival is nothing less than a new beginning of obedience to God. That has been key throughout our history. How do we know Abraham was faithful? He obeyed God. How do we know Noah was faithful? He obeyed God. How do we know? And you go through the list. You go through everyone that was faithful. And we look at Hebrews chapter 11, the, the hall of fame uh, there in, in, in Hebrews 11. And it's like every one of these individuals that is described in Hebrews 11, it was what they did. I know they were faithful because of what they did. Does God know you're faithful? I wonder if there's going to be a chapter written about us. Oh, there's a book of life. There's a chapter, and you're in it if you're faithful. And that tiny little word, if. You mean I have a choice? Yep. Created in God's image, given a choice, and we're given a choice between good and evil, and we get to choose. We get to choose our destiny. We get to choose our heavenly home or eternal destruction. Hmm. Having a little trouble with your heart this morning? Maybe an AFib problem? I'm not even sure what that is. AFib? Yep, there's a problem like that. And to get it to go back into a normal rhythm? They give you a jolt. Spiritually, revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. You cannot have revival apart from obedience. This idea of trusting God, believing what He says, what He's promised, all the different paths that are given to us and then the one true path that is going to lead back to Him. He says, trust me. I know what I'm talking about. Trust me. It's going to be better for you. I want you to have an abundant life. Trust me. 
And the way we show our trust to God is through obedience. We sing a song, trust and obey. We sing the song. But I want us to sing another song this morning. I want us to sing a song of revival. Revive us again. And we find in Psalm 119, just in a few verses, this theme of revival. I want you to consider your situation. Where are you in that burning, glowing fire? That spiritual fire. Are you eight out of nine? Are you on fire for the Lord? Maybe you've been a Christian for so long that you've forgotten what it's like to be on fire. All right. Revive us again. Maybe you, you're on your way and you've, you've accomplished a few things. You've started to obey Him. you started to look at His Word. you started to make some adjustments. Good. Revive us again. What He says we will do where He sends, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. And the idea of revival has to be paramount. It has to be front and center. Revive us again. Do you need spiritual revival this morning? If so, and you need to make it known publicly, do so now while together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.